unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise him this morning with all of your heart. God is good, isn't he? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Powerful presence of the Lord in the house today. I want to talk to you about the word of God, which says we are God's building. We think we're ours and we think we're responsible for all the bills and everything that goes on in our life. But we are God's building and we are more responsible for his building than we are our own building. And uh, this morning I was just smiling as we sang Zion is calling. I didn't know what which song they were going to sing, but that's what he gave us was words of Zion when he sang his song and God's presence, you know is just flooding the house because the healer is here. You know, Jehovah is here and Jesus is here. And who else could we expect or want or desire than the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Lord? Let the children be dismissed. Poor Julie. She says, Mom, I always have to go right when the Lord is moving. But that's all right because the children need that anointing too. So thank you, Jesus. And if you have your bulletin this morning, you looked at it. I, I've never done this before, but I gave a little history about our church. And the reason why is because this church started out to be an Episcopal Methodist church. And it was started by a truck driver who saw a lot of children in the neighborhood and decided that he would come here and meet with the children, his, his wife and him and a few other people that was interested in children. So this house was built by the children. And uh, so for uh, several years, uh, the congregation grew until it was huge. And then they decided they needed to have a church covering and somebody would come and do it. So it, you can read it. I won't take time for that today. But the point that I want to make in giving you that today is to show you that God's building is always on the move. This started with children. Then it started with the Episcopal Methodist Church. You know, and then there was a Baptist pastor and there was various different pastors until I came. And lo and behold, nobody even knew when the Pentecostal message took hold. I waited. I didn't know what to do. It was the first time I ever pastored. I didn't know diddly. But I knew the word of God and I loved God and I was willing. And so after two years, we endured that kind of lack of the spirit the spirit was here in us but it wasn't a movement in the church as such so we had a we had a uh, we used to have plays and things when i was young and had energy and uh, so we had this opinion it was pentecostal sunday they always wanted me to follow the church calendar and to have a few things of the denominational churches so i said okay it's pentecost lord is this the day that i can introduce the power of the holy spirit you know the tongues and the gifts and those things to the church. So we had this, we had this play of the Holy Spirit and we didn't have hardly any fellas in the church. So we had all the ladies with beards and, uh, we were ready to have the 12 disciples. And, uh, uh, we, we, we had, we had the, the message of Pentecost just by the scripture, just did the scripture and everything. And when it came time to end the service and the Holy Ghost fell, you know, they uh, the the way that it ended is they all just walked out into the congregation and ended the service. Well, as they walked out, they spoke in tongues and the people got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So I want to say that the church building, you know, that's great. I want the Holy Spirit in the house, but we are the building of God. And we need that power and that anointing in us. And it needs to, it needs to fall off of us. And, you know, when we go down the market, go down the hall in the market, we, they need to feel something. That's something strange about that person. You know, and then when you smile and say, God bless you, or you, or you lift a, a something off the shelf for them, you know, you never know what kind of witness that you'll be because God is building a powerful house. He's building a powerful kingdom, and we're part of it. So the message today is just how much do you want to be a part of the building that God is going to have for us in eternity? And so I, I, I just am so excited to see what God is doing, and I'm so honored that he would send them to this little oasis out here on the mountaintop, and we could experience the message from the Lord just, just at random, that he just come and told us, because he's telling us that he's coming very soon. And whether that is by the grave or by the, whether that is by uh, rapture, it's happening, church. He says he'll walk through us. He'll walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. So he's never going to leave us behind. He's always going to be there, and he's always going to take us heavenward. So this is great. So Ephesians two eighteen. We're talking this morning about ye are God's building. It's in Scripture everywhere. As you as you search it out, it's so exciting to get on your computer if you do a computer and to search out some thought. And see, like I was going to talk about we're God's building. And when I got into it and I started researching it, and it's all over in the word of God. How many know that Revelation says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Revelation says it seven times, but there's 14 more times throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, saying if you have an ear, you'll be blessed. So, you know, searching God's word is the most powerful thing that you can do. When you read the Bible, don't just read the Bible through, but make it a point to stop every day that you read something. Stop with about four verses, research it, look it out, and see exactly what it is that God wants to say to you. Because he has a revelation for you every time you read his word, if you'll stop long enough to hear the revelation that he wants to give you. Ephesians 2:18. it says, For through Jesus... We have access to one spirit unto the Father. No more stranger, foreigners, but saints of the household of God. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We are a building fitly framed together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. If I stopped there, that would preach the rest of the day. Because this is so powerful. There's so much strange things in our world. We're not just a stranger. We're not just somebody that came by here and thought this is where I'll sit down for a while. But we are in the kingdom process of our God. We are a servant in the house of our God. We house him. How are you doing with housing God? Because when you house him, he convicts. He changes. He works on us. He puts in a few nails here and there. He puts a little sandpaper here and there. You know, all those things that go on in your life that cause you to be a little bit discouraged or despondent or, you know, you worry about them. Those, those little things are God dealing in our life, exercising us to become a better household for him. 
So this morning, it, it's not just a house. You know, he can have a he can have a building, but he wants a flesh and blood house. So this morning, the message is about what kind of a house are we? You know, does does the Holy Spirit, when he nudges us, do we hear him and do we respond to it? Because, you know, we think, well, everything is at the pulpit in a church. No, it's in you. You're the temple of the living God. You are the house of God. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you are an epistle read of men, the Bible says. They're looking at you. They're looking at how you live. They're looking at what you say and then how you live it. So this is what God is speaking to the church today. And I know that I love you all and you're all special people to me and my house. And I know that we love God. But God is working on us. He wants us to be better. He wants us to be stronger. He wants us to be more powerful. He wants us to be more faithful. He wants, a, he, you know, a headache doesn't stop us from coming to the house of God because we come here to meet the great physician. That's why he, who he is. And so if you get sick, just come here. We'll pray for you and God will give you the strength to go on. I'm not saying, you know, and that's what we want to do as his house. So the church, our church, I believe walks with fear and admonition of God. I believe we're a faithful church, but I believe we can never be more faithful than to hear an inspiration from God that says, I want you to be more faithful. I want you to be stronger. I want you to be more powerful. I want you to just read one chapter, but I want you to search out that chapter until you hear my voice, you know, and then go on. So this is about building our house. We hear the scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, know you not. That ye are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in us, helping us to build our temple. But he expects us to pick up the hammer. He expects us to drive the nails. He expects us to do the sanding. But he's there to accomplish what he wants in us if we will do what he asks us to do. The light that is on in our temple is Christ. It's not because we have a personality. It's not because we have a great character. It's not because anything about that. But the light that's on in our house that people see and they like us or they're drawn to us, that light is Jesus Christ. And when they're drawn to us, they'll meet him and he will change and revelate their life, revolutionize their life. We are his hands extended. I'm not telling the church anything they don't know today. But we are the hands of the Lord. So it is in our hands to build the house. And the question is, when God puts this on my heart, I just thought, well, Lord, I, 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 I don't know that I can construct the house that you want. I want to, but can you help me with this? You know, oh, yes, he can help me. <laughs> you know, he helps us every day through the trials and the temptations that we have. The reason our world is so corrupted is it's a, it's a exercise place to exercise our faith and our hope and our trust in God because he is more powerful than the works of darkness. And do we go through trial and tribulation? Yes, we do. But we should come out the other end stronger and bolder and more powerful and a bigger, better house for him. So constructed construction in humanity you know, it comes because God breathed into us the breath of life at the very beginning of our life. At the very beginning of our life, he breathed into us the breath of life. The breath that you suck in and let out every day is God's breath that caused you to have life. And we need to understand how important our life is 
because God wants us to build uh, for him in this in this life. In Jude one twenty, it says, Beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, praying in intercession, praying unto God. Mostly, it means to communicate with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we communicate with one another. We communicate on our job. We communicate everywhere and with the bill keepers and all those things. We're always communicating. But what communication do we have with the Father God who lives in us? He's more powerful than the works of darkness. And sometimes we just have to take our stand, like Brother said, stand in his face and boldly declare that he is greater than the works of darkness. And church, we need that more than anything today. The corruptedness of our world calls for us to be able to stand in the midst of of corrupt things and still see the power and the glory and the goodness of God. Because God is never going to leave us, even if there is corruption in our world. He's always going to be beside us. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So I'm saying to the church this morning that the hour is upon us to press for eternal life. To press for eternal life. That we're not just living here and enjoying what God gave us. The beauty of all of creation and and the fun, fun things that we do in our life and our education. All that kind of stuff. But we are going to press for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do I need to say that to the church of God? Yes. I need it to be said to me. We need to press. Everything is a pressing. Did you know that the more you want to serve God, the harder sometimes you come across difficulties and the enemy talks to you. He tries to sit on your shoulder. And no wonder Jesus said, get behind me, devil. I don't want to hear you. You know, and if Jesus had to say, get behind me, how much more do we have to say it this day? But remember that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are in us. And we can say that with dignity and power and walk away. The problem is sometimes we don't walk away. We stay there and we get into a, 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 a scrimmage with them, you know. Just walk away. Just walk away and leave the power and the presence of the Lord behind you that will convict them and work in their life. Because this is what we have to do now. We've got to press for the prize. Okay, what do we mean about press? These brothers brought an invalid to Jesus. And the whole place was filled with a multitude of people. And they wanted to get this brother to Jesus to get him healed of the sickness that he had. And you know where I'm going. Mark 2, 4 and 5. And so there was a press. They had to press. And they had to press so much that they crawled up on the top of the house and ripped off the roof and let let the man down to Jesus. Now, are we that sincere about pressing into what God wants for us? Are we that sincere that we will press, that we won't just sit there and let the devil browbeat us and go away discouraged and despondent? Or will we stand against the press? Will we stand against the multitude? Will we stand against whatever it is that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do? It is a hard thing to do exactly what God wants you to do. But when you step forth and you begin to do it, when you make that first phone call and say, hello, brother, how are you? And you start to talk to them and encourage them. Then when you get done, you're going to feel better. You can lay your own problem aside for a moment and help somebody else with their with their problem. So they got him to Jesus. That's awesome. And that's a press. So, you know, when you when you see what they did, they pressed through the crowd. They tore off the roof. They let him down to Jesus. Now, 
What are we willing to do to bring someone to Christ? How about the woman with the issue of blood? She spent all of her money. She went to every doctor. That's in Mark also 5.27. And finally, she wanted to get to, she heard Jesus was there. I know you know this, but think on this. She heard that Jesus was nearby. You know, I don't want him to just be nearby. I want to be right where he is. And she came to the press. There was always a press around Jesus. There was always a multitude around him. But she heard that beyond that multitude, there was healing, that he was healing the sick. And she pressed and she pressed and she pressed. She pressed beyond her pride. She pressed beyond humility. She did all those things that I wouldn't want to do or you wouldn't want to do because she wanted to touch the hem of his garment. She wanted to be healed, and she pressed, and she pressed, Church, we've got to get some pressing in our spirit in this day, and we can't just we can't just take care of ourselves, but we have to consider what God wants us to do to help others to find Christ. And she pressed through the multitude, and I know you know the outcome. God healed her. Jesus healed her. And how awesome is that? When we press into things and we go against the grain, and we press in when we can't get through and we do it anyhow, sometimes we start to pray and we say, oh, the heavens seem brass today, I'll pray tomorrow. I know nobody would say that. But you know how, you know, sometimes you feel like really pressing in and really interceding and really talking to God and really doing it. And then sometimes you think, well, I prayed like that yesterday and it didn't work. And, you know, that's the work of the enemy. We have to press for the prize, church. We have to give everything that we have to be what God wants us to be, to build his house so his house will stand strong and powerful. And when they come into our house or when they come near our house, you know, it just flips over on them and they don't even know what hit them because the power of God is that powerful that it can draw you, that drew our apostles to us today. It will draw us to where God wants us to be if we will understand the power of his presence. And so Philippians 3.13 says, forget the things that are behind you ever get bombarded with with the past? You know, you have to put those things behind you and you have to press on. Well, it was wrong. Well, so what? If it was wrong, they did something wrong to Jesus, but he pressed on. They did all manner of things to him. They wounded him. They scoffed him. They mocked him. They, 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 they just did horrible things in 39 stripes. They could have killed him, but God saved his life so that he could be our eternal sacrifice. So we don't have a sacrifice of the Old Testament, the bull or the calf or the lamb. We don't have that kind of sacrifice. Thank God I wouldn't know how to slay a lamb and get forgiveness. You know, but we can come to Jesus, a one-time slain lamb for our sins and the forgiveness. And when we make a mistake, church, instead of listening to the devil, mock us and scoff us and say, you call yourself a Christian, but you, you did this or you did that. You just put it behind you say, get behind me, Satan, God, forgive me, and press on to better things, church, because our world is only going to get worse, but God is going to get better. That's the, that's the, that's the, the thing that we need to remember. So this one thing I do, I forget those things behind and I press on because I've got, I've got a goal in my life and that's to reach eternity with Jesus Christ, our Son, the Son of the Living God. Paul pressed in the Spirit. You know, he was on one journey and the Spirit of God, the Bible says in Acts 18.3, Paul was pressed in the Spirit to go a different way. 
Do you ever have that happen? I drive the same way all the time when I come to work. You know, I got it down to this many minutes and this many uh, uh, miles and everything. But then sometimes I'm just going on. I'm at a stoplight and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally, I instead of fussing, I say, Lord, what, 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 where do you want me to go? And so I just turn and go a different way. Because you never know what God has for you, what's in store for you. It's an adventure. It's a journey. It's a glorious adventure if we recognize that, that God is leading us and guiding us. So I want to, I want to in, inspire the church today that you are the building of God and you have got to build more. You, you know, two rooms is not enough, church. You need more rooms in your life, more things to do for the kingdom of God. In Luke 19, 3, 3 and 5, I always like to look at this. Because sometimes the devil likes to make us think we're little in stature. Do you ever feel that way? You go into it. I, pastors feel that way. You know, I, I come to church and I have 50 and somebody else has 5,000, you know. Right. And then you, you feel little for a moment until God re, 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 reassures you that one is as important as many. Yes. And so... But that's the devil's work to, to, to depress you, to press you down to a small place like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was so small he couldn't get to Jesus if his life depended on it. But you know what? He wanted to get there so much that he did something that didn't have much pride in it. He just shimmied up the tree and waited and he got God's eye. He got Jesus' eye. And Jesus got, he got, got supper with God, with Jesus. Because he was willing to climb the tree, look a little stupid, and see Jesus. And sometimes we might have to do something that goes against our grain or something that we don't know how to do very well. I mean, if, if God told me to get up here and sing a song, I, I would climb a tree first. <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying to you is that sometimes he asks you to do something that you've never done. And you have to be able to follow him and do what he wants because he can he can bring a, a revelation of the power of his anointing to somebody who sings that doesn't sing well. You know, if you just offer up what you have to give, he'll, he'll come along and help you build another room on your house. Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, I have to hurry today, but it says there, how, how, how do I build? It says, follow after charity, follow after love. You have every opportunity to show love, but what do we show? And the people that we love the most, we don't show the charity enough. We don't show the love enough sometimes because they they don't um, they don't they we they, they don't meet our expectation. You know what I'm saying? And so when they don't meet our expectation, we oh I'll go someplace else. You know, but go where where you think that they don't meet your expectation and see what God will do because he'll do a miracle for you. Follow after charity, walk in love and compassion. God needs more of that in the church today. He needs more compassion in the church. He needs more compassion for those people that stand on the street. You know, we don't know their circumstances. We don't know their lifestyle. We don't know anything. But, you know, my first thought was, well, they're standing right here by Walmart and there's sign for help right there. And God struck me and he said, you will do this and so. And he told me what I had to do. And I could never think about that again because, you know, they're just a piece of humanity that needs charity. They need love. They need help. And you never know when you reach out to them that that might be the refining moment that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. 
So verse 12 says, be zealous for his gifts. Be zealous for his gifts. Now, church, that doesn't mean just desire it and wait on him. It means be zealous for it. You walk in the church house, you say, God, today I want this gift. I want to speak your word today. I want to do it today, Lord. Give it to me. I have, I'm zealous for it. There's a little, there's little or no uh, zealousness for the gifts of the Spirit. We love them. We want them. We appreciate them. They're, they're great. But I know that there's gifts in this house. And these gifts need to operate because what are they for? They're to encourage one another, to, to build one another, to go out from here and say, God spoke to me today. You know, it wasn't just the pastor preaching, but the presence of God spoke to me today because I want to be zealous for what he has for me. I mean, saints, when is the last time you just got on your knees and you said, Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? When you get in a scrimmage with your mate or your teenager and you, you want to ask him, what, what do you want from me? Only well, we don't ask it very nice, do we? Well, maybe we do. Maybe it's just me that doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, instead of that, we need to say to God, what is it that you want from me today? Not, not next year when I've grown up a little bit more spiritually, but what do you want from me today? Show me somebody. Send something across my path. You know, if you just say, God bless you to somebody, that could be a blessing. You know, it, 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 it's not just the pulpit ministry that God is looking for today. He wants the pulpit ministry. He wants the house ministry. He wants prophecy. He wants those gifts. But, you know, if you're just a light for him, if your light is on, how bright is your light on in your house? That's the question today. How bright is it? Was it just a lick, a little candle? Or is it, you know, one of these big bright lights? God wants to see his light on in us. So be zealous for the gifts. Excel in edifying the church. I love it when somebody says, well, like Daniel said, the Lord said, stand, just stand. That's edification. That means that is a message to some heart in the church. And when we have to edify means ardently. Does anybody know what ardently means? I go into the, all the words until I get to the most powerful word. And that's the one I pick, you know, but ardent means enthusiastically. Now, we are enthusiastic at a football game. Do we have any... Uh, Athletes in the house. Uh, we are enthusiastic at some things, church. But we must be enthusiastic at building the house of God in which we are the builder. So uh, it also means eager. It means having a passion to be used of God. And I think that Christianity today at large lacks the passion. You know, when I was a child, I, as a child, I thought there was today... Thinking back as a child, I think, wow, what passion they had. You know, they, they went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. They went to church on Tuesday night, Thursday night. And Friday night, they had prayer meeting that lasted until 10, 11, 12, midnight. We were kids. We just took our blanket, put it under the pew, and we didn't move because God was in the house. But I'm saying to the church today that we need to desire more power in God. 
We need to desire an opportunity to share a word in season to a hurting soul. And so I'm kind of short on time today, but we need to be able to give a word in season. If somebody says to you something about finances, you need to say, well, you need to be faithful to God. You, You know, if you tithe, God will bless you. We had a family in the church that never tithed. He went to a nominal church, which they tell you at the first of the year how much you will give to the church, and then they expect you to give that. And that's the way it was here. But but when he came here and the Holy Spirit began to move and pass, he, he began to understand that he had to tithe every week on whatever God required of him. And God began to move in their life in a supernatural way. You know, these kinds of things we stay away from. We don't always preach on sin like we should. How is it hard to, it's hard to preach on sin when you look out and you see your beloved church family and they love God and they're faithful and you, but yet God is saying, speak about sin, speak about corruption, speak about these things, speak about temperance, speak about those things. It's really hard to do that, church. Cause I like to tell you how great, how great you are and how good God is and how I love you. But sometimes God wants us to speak some truths to us so that we can forget the things at the end. So I, this is my final thought. Um, I, I, this is still the lesson that I tried to preach a few weeks ago because I didn't have enough time. But I want to say this in, 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 in closing today. I want you to see that you're, I'm, ask, I'm explaining to you what you can do to build your house, that you can be more charitable, that you can walk in love, and, and you can uh, sway uh, conflict because conflict doesn't glorify God. You know, but however, you do have to stand your ground and not become in part of, of things that are wrong. But Ephesians 5:18 and 20 says, "Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Anything in the excess is bad, church, unless it's something for God." So it says, "Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but and this is so interesting. Be filled with the Spirit." You know, people think that wine is the spirit, you know, but here God says, now don't don't do it with wine, but be filled with my spirit because my spirit is much more powerful. And I love this. It says, but be filled with the spirit. Now, how do you get filled with the spirit? Okay, I got it. Verse 19. Yes, prayer is very good intercession too. Verse 19 says, speak to yourselves in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's how, that's how you get it. You know, in your prayer life and your Bible life, your study life. But when, when you're in places like driving to work, you can't open your Bible. So as you drive to work, you can begin to sing to yourself. Sing in the spirit. Sing in the unknown tongue. Sing whatever. Just sing. Make up your own song. Children do that all the time. You know, they love to do that. And I think that's a gift of God that he puts in their heart. You know, they'll just hum or sing or do something. But making melody in your heart, you have to turn your sorrows into melodies. Giving thanks always. Now, this is the hard part, church. Giving thanks always for all things. What are you going to give thanks for, church? All things, all things. That flat tire, all things. Because if you have a flat tire, somebody might come and help you and you can witness to them. Or you can take it into the shop and witness to whoever fixes your tire. 
you know, we got to be diligent. We got to be bold because this is the hour to press for the prize of the high calling of God. So always in all things in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Rejoicing spirit will always drive out the gloominess. But you know what, church, them first words of rejoicing, those first words of singing a song unto the Lord is so hard. Because the enemy is out to detour us from the power and the presence of God. So God sees your house. You built a house. Everyone here has his house. But the building is how much more are you going to add to your house? You know, when the house gets a little bigger, there's a less little the traffic is a little less. The house gets a little bigger. You got a, a house where the Holy Spirit resides. You got a house where the prayer communication resides. You know, you got a house where somebody can come to you and you, you don't judge them, but you help them. This is what God wants for his people today. He wants a house to be filled with the light of his presence. So I, and, and I, I receive it from the Lord for me, and I pray that you will receive it for you and that we'll, we'll build bigger and better houses for the kingdom of God because he lives in us. I'm talking spiritual houses, church. Spiritual houses. I'm preach this sermon and go to somebody's house and see ten rooms. No, no, it's about the spirit. I want to see. I want to see ten rooms where the spirit of God dwells. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you this morning with all of our heart. We thank you for the faithful that are in the house today. We thank you for the apostles you brought our way, O oh God. We're just so thankful for everything. But God, help us to be thankful in every crisis, every circumstance, every situation. Help us to realize the thankfulness of God is with us at all times. For this, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, you can bring your love offerings to Jesus today.